serving, service. When, when it comes to service, Jesus said, one of the things that Jesus said when he came, he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So and he demonstrated it. He served. I remember like Louis talked about that night, the last supper, he actually became a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. Uh, the job that was supposed to be for the servants or bond servants. You know, Paul reminds us this idea. If you were to do a study about serving and service, I mean, that's what Jesus came to do. Isaiah 53 calls him the, su the suffering servant. Serving. Uh, Paul says that Jesus, being uh, God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to. But he made himself nothing, taking the very form of a what? Of a servant. And be found and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Jesus came to serve and he showed us how to do it. Now, the question that I have that I want to challenge ourselves today is, have you ever thought about how, how you are serving God? Have you ever thought about how, how you serve the Lord? How are you serving the Lord? Have you ever thought about that question? Because... The reason I asked is because many times when, when we hear about we serve God, our minds, our minds go to what takes place on Sunday morning. You know, like uh, we, we serve God through teaching our kids, uh, through the meditation, maybe through playing uh, musical instruments, through singing, be part of the praise team. Like usually most people say, oh, I serve God in my church. You know, usually it's like serving God. We, we automatically goes like what takes place on, in church on Sunday morning. And don't get me wrong. That is serving God. That is part of that. But I'm here today to challenge you to view serving God in a bigger scope. To, view, to see serving God way deeper than just what happens on Sunday morning. The, the things that, I mean, we, that's what we've been doing, serving the Lord together as one. But I'm here to tell you, and hopefully at the end of the sermon, you get the idea that serving God... Serving the Lord goes way deeper than just what we do in church. You know, people say serve God going on a mission trip or teaching a class or preaching or, you know, be, being, uh, do a, a yard sale or, or this. I mean, yes, that's, those things are serving God, but it's way bigger than that. That's what, that's what I'm trying to accomplish through this sermon today. Hopefully at the end of the day you see that. You see, serving God is not limited to what you and I do in church, or do in church on Sunday morning. Serving God goes much deeper than that. Here it is. Any work you do could be a service to God. Any work you do, you can be do that work for the Lord. How? There was a man named Paul. He writes a letter to a church in Colossae. That's the book in the Bible we have, Colossians. That's what I'm going to be at today, Colossians chapter 3. So you had your Bibles, go there, Colossians chapter 3. So Paul writes a letter to a church in the city of Colossae. And in that letter, he addressed a lot of issues. Usually when a writer, you know, when you read a letter, by the way, you're reading somebody else's mail. Yeah, this is Paul to the Colossae, and now we're reading it. So that's, that's what really what happens when you're reading a letter. It's, it's like what he said to them. So he's addressing uh, the church, and usually when a writer writes a letter, notice that he has a relationship with them already. You know, you don't send an email to anybody. I mean, usually you send to somebody explaining or, 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 or dealing with certain issues. Many of the le letters we have, usually they call them epistles. That's, that's what the genre is. Many of the letters we have, they're... They're written to a church or to an individual. For instance, Timothy, 
Titus, Philemon. Those are written to individuals. Now, there's a lot that we can learn from, but you have to realize, oh, that was the recipient. That was the, who received the letter, and he is the writer. So Paul writes, that, uh, and there was a map, uh, so you understand where Colossae is. So uh, that might not be called like that today, but you see, there's Italy over there, and then that's, that's Turkey. And by the way, by Colossae, you see the seven churches of Revelation? They were all around there. Sardis and in fact Thyatira and Ephesus. They were all in that region. So there was another church named the Colossian Church. You see, churches didn't have names like today. They were just Church of Christ in Colossae. So Paul says, to the saints at Colossae. So he writes, and in chapter 3, he addressed, because he's writing to the church, and so the church is made of families. He talks about families, husbands and wives. So he gives instruction to the wives, to the husbands, how to love each other. He gives instruction to parents and kids. Like, you want to know what he says about the parents, how to treat their kids, not to provoke them to anger, and to kids, obey your parents, because this is right in the Lord. He's instructing the families in the church. And guess what? When you keep on reading verse 22, he's giving instruction to slaves and owners. People, hold on. Slavery? Is the Bible supporting slavery? A lot of times people just go in there. They don't understand. Back in those days, there were slaves and and. And slave owners, but don't think slavery like it happened in our nation. It's not the same what it was back in those days. There's a book of the Bible written to a slave owner. And you know what book I'm talking about, Philemon. Paul writes to him because the slave had run away and then now the slave became a Christian. And then Paul said to Philemon, hey, don't treat him as a slave. He's your brother in Christ now. And we have a whole, the whole Philemon, that's, that's the name of the guy who, who was in the church, but he was a slave owner. So Paul writes to them in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. You're there with me this morning. My translation says, bond servants. Now yours might say slaves, which is, that's a good translation too. Because a bond servant is a slave. Doulos is the Greek word. So bond servants, he said, obeying everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily or work with all your heart as for the Lord and not for, for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Bond servant, slaves. Now, you see, it's interesting because Jesus used a lot of parables talking about uh, a, uh, a master went on the journey and he entrusted his servants. That word servants is a master is entrusting something to the slaves. But you see, the slave that we talk about, uh, even in the Roman world, is way different than the slavery that we have in our minds. We, every time we think about a slave, we see like the movie Amistad, Amistad like people naked, like, you know, with, with chains and things. That's the slavery we get in our minds. Or maybe they're, they're at the cotton field. That's not what the Bible portrays for, as slavery. And I want you to, to see that because sometimes we have people say, well, but the, the Bible supports slavery. No, it doesn't. The Bible is telling you how it was back in those biblical days. You see... The time Paul is writing, this is the, the Roman Empire was in charge. You see, the Roman, a bond serving a slave, could refer to someone who voluntarily served others. But it usually referred to one who was held in permanent position of servitude. 
Now, under Roman law, a slave did not have any rights. You were property of the master. So, no rights, and a master could kill you if you were a slave in the Roman Empire. Now, the Jewish, the Jewish idea is kind of similar, but in the Jewish culture, there was a law that after seven years you have a slave, after seven years you had to get, grant him freedom if he or she wanted to go home. That's in Exodus. So you see, because, because the slave that, that we see in that society was very much like a maid that was helping in the house. So in the Jewish, like I said, a similar, uh, a similar connotation, the Mosaic law allowed a, a bond servant to choose freedom or to remain with the master. Look at what Exodus 21 says. If the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to, to be free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him up to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be a servant for life. So you see, after seven years, uh, you know, in the, in the law, seven, uh, chapter 7 of bankruptcy, all that thing came from the, from the Jewish law, by the way, in case you didn't know. After seven years, that, that man was serving there. So now he had a wife as a slave and kids were born to him. So... Seven years, the law said, given the right. You want to go home? You're free. But they were so well in the house, they said, you know what? I want to stay with my master. And they would just pierce his, his ears to say, you're going to be with us forever. Now you're almost like part of the family. I want to be a slave like that. <laughs> you know, back in those days. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, another example, you know, what I was thinking about a slave. We read the Bible so many times and sometimes we don't pay attention. Remember the prodigal son where he was with the pigs and he was just like... What did he say? Man, even the slave in my family had plenty to eat. And here I am, starving to death. I will go to my father and say, Father has seen the slave. Because this concept of slavery back in those days is not the same that we have today. You know, they were like made, they were serving. So, remember, many of the writers of the New Testament, they say, they uh, introduce themselves as a bond servant. Paul. Sometimes he says an apostle of Jesus Christ. He said, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, which means he is my master. I don't have a right. And it says, he is the one that I'm going to serve. James, a slave of Jesus Christ. They use that term. You know, many of us was like, ooh, like, you know, slave. like they realize I have one master and that Jesus. I'm his slave. I'm going to, I'm his bond servant. I'm his servant. So they use that. So Paul is addressing the bond servants in the church at Colossae. Because many of those churches, because that was the culture, they had people that were slave owners and, you know, they had a lot of people who were servants. And so they loved to use that word, bond servant, to refer to themselves as, Jesus is my master. You see that in Romans 1.1, Philippians 1.1, James 1.1 as well. At the introduction, the idea they're addressing themselves as slave of Christ that they are entirely at, at the disposal of Jesus, their master, seeing themselves as slaves. Now, Paul addressed them and says, Slaves, bondservants, obey your masters in everything. Now, don't just obey them when they're looking at you, but obey them when nobody's watching. So, in other words, obey your masters with sincerity of heart. You know, now think about this can be applicable because you have a master, in a sense, you have a boss. So Paul says, like, obey your boss, even though you and your boss maybe don't get along or whatever. But it's like, obey, because later on, he's going to give instruction to the, to the masters how to treat the slaves. So but right now, it's the slaves, obey your masters in everything. 
Not as people pleaser. You know, no, don't be a brown noser. Only like, you know, no, do it when nobody else is watching. Serve him with sincerity of heart. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. You serve him because you fear the Lord, he said. Don't just do it when, and there are people like that, you know, sometimes like they help somebody and oh, they got a poster on social media. So everybody, look what I'm doing. It's almost like, you know what I mean? Like they want, they want people to understand. And Jesus condemned that uh, in Matthew 6. He says, when you, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give money to some people, don't, don't blow trumpets, he said. Don't let your right hand know what the left hand is doing. But do it in secret. So obey uh, uh, slaves. Bond servants, obey your masters in everything, he said. And then remember that you are serving God by serving your master. Look at verse 23. Whatever you do, he says, work heartily or work with all your heart as for the Lord and not for men. Obey, obey your masters in everything. Not by way of eye service, as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work at, work at it with all your heart, as for the Lord and not for men. Remember that you are serving God by serving your boss, serving your master. And you see, this is, this is the idea that, that I came up with as I'm, as I'm wrestling with the text. I, I realized, like, wow, serving God goes way beyond what you and I do in church. Serving God, I mean, everything that you do can be an act of service to God. I mean, these people were serving a slave, just doing house chores, doing things in their homes. And, and Paul says, do it, do it all with all your heart as, as you're doing it for the Lord. Serving Jesus is more than just what takes, like I said, what takes place on Sunday. It is... Notice the, notice the word here, whatever you do. You see, the Bible is telling us that your job, that do your job with genuineness because you are doing that for the Lord, not necessarily for your boss or for the company you work for. Do it because you're doing it for the Lord. It's like, wow. So in other words, everywhere you go, everywhere you work or do something, you are to do that for the Lord. You are to work at it with all your heart. You know, you know even sometimes, and we have coaches in, in the house, I, I, I'm one of those people that believe you gotta you gotta go 100% in practice. There's oh no, I just go to five, uh, 50% in practice, and I'm gonna do it in the real game. No, no, no. You you gotta show me that in practice what you can do in the game. Practice 100% because later on it, it comes naturally. You know. So whatever you do, you're gonna do that. Do it all with all your heart. Not like, oh, you know, I had to do it. I know a lot of times I don't wanna do things in the house. You know. But then, you know, I realized, what if we, what if we change our perception, our, our, our perspectives? Like, but maybe doing the dishes now, I'm going to do it because I love Jesus. I mean, have you thought about that? It's like, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things here that you don't like to do in the house. But you do it because maybe you love that person. And, you know, it's like, well, out of love. That's what Jesus did for us. So he said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Even when you kids... When your mom and dad tell you to, uh, to fix your room, clean your room, work at it with all your heart as you clean the room for Jesus. That was the end of the sermon. So, <laughs> so you're cleaning the room for Jesus. I, you know, I mean, that changed my life. I realized like, wow, you know, everything that I do, like help, I mean, helping people, whatever, like I got to do it. I, I work at it with all my heart 
with all my energy because I'm doing it as if doing it for the Lord. Mm. Like I said, can you imagine if we saw Jesus in everything that we do in, in, in our work, in our deeds? Can you imagine if we saw Jesus in everything that we do? You see, when you're teaching the kids at school, many of you are teachers. You're serving Jesus. When you're bagging groceries, you are serving Jesus. When you, when you care for somebody who's sick, you are serving Jesus. When you're fixing a car, you're serving Jesus. When, when you're working with containers, I mean, whatever you do, you are there representing Jesus. And, and that's what Paul says. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord, not for your boss, not for men. Mm. When you're doing the dishes, the laundry, or cleaning your room, I mean, what, it, is, it says whatever. And that's whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Like I said, that, that thing is being revolutionized in my life. Like now it's like, okay, now I, I'm finding joy in what I do because I realize I'm doing it for Jesus. You know, whatever, whatever you do, work at it with it. I think we all, we, all, we all should memorize that verse. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Colossians 3.23. I remember one time. Uh, the piano player, it, it, uh, it was time to practice the rehearsal song. The piano player came, but you can, I can tell that he wasn't feeling it that day. He was just like, and it was almost like, maybe you came to play because mom and dad they expected you to play. But he didn't really want to play. I mean, I saw it in his eyes. And I told him, hey, gently, like, it's okay. You can sit down. Because you don't want to, I mean, you don't even have the desire to do it. But don't do it. You know, I mean, Jesus expects you to, to love doing it. So I said, it's okay. You know, and, and I thought, whatever you do, work at it. I mean, you know, you came because it's a duty now to do it. Work at it with all your heart. I said, you're working for the Lord and not for men. I know, I know a person, you know, I, I got the, the chance to interact with that person. And then, you know, I heard a lot of complaints about, you know, because the, I have, the person is telling me she has a neighbor and the neighbor's always getting sick. And, you know, she has to be running around. My wife knows what I'm talking about. She has to go running around. And, and it's like, always getting sick. And I'm the one stuck over there doing things. And I'm almost like, I sense that you're tired of helping that person. You know, she didn't realize that. You're telling me that. It's almost like it's a burden to you to have to always go and do these things. I always have to go run around. And, you know, I always stuck over there. You know, and I have other things to do. I have a life to, you know. And I almost wanted to say, you know what? If you don't want to help her, don't help her then. Because you always want to complain. You're complaining to me about having to help her. Now, what if that's Jesus? You're complaining about having to do that for Jesus all the time. You know, and then, like I said, that thing is being revolutionizing my perspective, my theology. It's like, wow, you know what I mean? So do it because you love to do it. But don't go. So, yeah, go. You know, one of the greatest acts of service, I'm proud of my sister. The one that follows me, uh, we, we went to see a, a lady from the church that was in, in the hospital, but the family that she had was far away from, from her. So she was there, and she didn't have anybody to stay with her in the hospital. My sister said, I stay with you. Now, my sister went on vacation, not to stay at a hospital, somebody, but she said, I, and, and you know, it's like, wow, I had an act of service. Like, I, stay, I spend the night here sleeping on this couch. Well, I recline her there. I stayed, and she did. Nobody asked her. She just, and I thought like, wow. 
You know, so proud of my sister. Like, that's what serving Jesus is all about. And I love seeing that. But, but then I go back to the other, the other person I'm telling you, part of that church. It's like, I always have to do Like, she's tired. And, and I understand. Don't get me wrong. You and I might get tired about doing things. But I think when you look at the perspective that that, that overwhelmness that you feel, the tiredness that you, that you feel, it's like, what if that's Jesus? You think Jesus will be tired when he comes to you? So it's like, I'm not saying like, well, I guess you're telling me that I had to always. No, no. I'm saying like, what if you did it for Jesus? What if our perspective would change? I said, you know, whatever I do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're doing it for the Lord, not for men. I'm doing that because I love Jesus. And, and I think that should, be the, that should be the end, right? So serving other people in any capacity You see, there was a man who went to Mexico on a mission trip. You know, usually people go on a mission trip to uh, help build an orphanage. Or, you know, Miss Barbara is here. She has gone to the DR with us. And we have gotten dirty, mixing concrete, carrying blocks, and, you know, all that stuff. Building that thing that my wife was telling you about when we began to build that in 2004. And, you know, we, we brought groups from, from, from Illinois, mission trips. They're working. So this man went to Mexico to build an orphanage. So anybody who goes there, they would call the missionaries came. So the kids are so excited when, when Americans come, you know. And so they went to a, to a part of the, the, the town, you know, kind of like not those ones that you don't want to go because, you know, it's like dirty and garbage all over the place. So they happened to be there, but there were a lot of kids. And so the kids wanted to play with them and they were uh, throwing balls and things. And this kid went to the man and told him, Opa, he wanted a piggyback ride by this Missionary man. So the man looked at the kid like how dirty he was. And it's like, I'm not going to pick up this kid. Is you crazy? I mean, hello. I came here to work. I didn't come, I didn't come here to do this. So the kid like hanging, up, hanging, hanging on his leg like, oppa. Like he wanted to piggyback right. Oppa. And the guy, the guy's thinking like, maybe he has, he's smelly, dirty. He probably has lies too. You know? I, don't know that I, I don't know that I came here to do that. And then he said, because I heard the, the man telling the testimony at a conference that I went. His name is Mike, by the way, Mike Drews. He said, then a crazy thought came to his head. While the kid's like imploring, like, pick me up, pick me up. He said, the man said, what if that's Jesus? What is Jesus trying to teach me something today? The moment he thought about that, he just picked up the kid and put it over there. And then, you know what I mean? Because he realized, what? The sermon he preached about, he says, have you seen Jesus today? Because Jesus might come in a way that you do not expect it. What if that's Jesus that day? You know, and that changed everything for him. Because whatever you do, you are to work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, never think like, well, I just, I just do the PowerPoint in there. That's, that's not much. I, really? You know, whatever you do, work. I mean, do it good. Doing good for the Lord because you're working for the Lord. Uh, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you're doing it for the Lord. Now, Jesus says something similar to what the Apostle Paul said. Jesus said it this way. Whatever you did or didn't do for the least of these, you did or didn't do it for me. Remember that in Matthew 20, 25 when he says that I was hungry 
and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was sick and you looked after me. And people would say, Lord, but when did we see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave me something to drink? And Jesus said, because you did it to the least of these, you've done it for me. You're serving God by serving people. So that's what whatever you do, and you see, there will be plenty of opportunities for us to, to serve God because there's always going to be something to do for other people. And whatever you do, he says, that's in Matthew 25, 31 through 40. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, thirsty and you gave me something to drink, a stranger and you welcomed me, welcomed me, and sick and you visited me, naked and you clothed me. But Lord, when did we see you like this? They, they would say. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Mm. Truly, it's whatever. See, serving Jesus, serving God goes way deeper than just what happens today. You're going to get out of here and you're going to be serving God. Even, even when, when you bring a smile to a, wait, a waiter uh, or, or, or somebody who's bagging groceries, having a tough day, and, and you just help the day of that person, you're doing it for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, Paul says, as if you're working for the Lord, not for men. Why? Look at verse 24. Because you will receive an inheritance as your reward. God will, you, God will reward your service to Him. Whether in this life, but even greater in the life to come. There will be an inheritance. And that is so true because you, you and I will be evaluated, judged based on our deeds, based on our action. And Jesus had a lot to say when, when He talks about... Let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds, deeds, action, and bring glory to God the Father. And, and so when he was saying, you, you did all this, uh, you fed me, you clothed me, you did all this, you, you were there for me. You were, you were serving me and not people. That's what Jesus is saying. God will reward your service to him. So even when you might feel tired, like many of us, I mean, we're human beings, we're going to get tired. But it's like... What's going to bring the energy? What's going to bring that, that, you know, to you? It's just realize it's Jesus. And, and we're talking about, we're reading that email, that letter from Paul to the church. The same guy who says, I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. You know, sometimes we might be, we might feel like overwhelmed or whatever. But, you know, who's going to provide the energy? It's really Jesus because you have that perspective. Paul says, I learned to be content in every situation. Whether I am well fed or I'm hungry. Whether I have clothes, a lot of clothing or not. He said, I can do all things through Christ. And you and I will be able to do the same thing. Because yes, you will get tired. You will get drained. And you know, sometimes you don't want to do certain things. But then, what is the motivation behind what you do? And that's why I think I want you guys to see what motivates you to do that. You know, there was a, used to be a commercial on the NBA. that the, 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 the athlete would say, I live for this. I know you remember, like... This is what this is what I live for this. So think think about what is your motivation for serving other people? I hope they always the motivation be Christ. Why you love people? Why you why you generous towards people? It's because of Jesus. Why you serve people? Because of him. Because whatever you find to do, work at it, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for God, not for men. Paul says. You see, you and I serve God by serving others. It's the same, it's the same, it is the same thing as we love God by loving other people. And so the greatest commandment, love God and love people. How do you show God you love Him? By loving people. How do you serve God? By serving people. And, and I, I, I've given you some examples of that. 
So, because we're doing those things for Jesus himself. And, and that's my prayer in my own life, too. Uh, like, like, sometimes, you know, we get, we, this is a confession time. We get people on the phone that when they call, I have to be ready to talk to them. You know, maybe you have that. It's almost like, you know, I don't have time right now to, to talk to that particular person. You know, but sometimes, you know, I'm going to call him back. And it's like, you know, but I realize, okay, you know, what if, you know, that's thing been changing in my heart. It's like, what if that Jesus? Maybe the whole conversation is going to be something about Jesus. And it's like, I had to call, you know, but sometimes like, oh, you know, because we all have friends that they talk too much. You know, and maybe we might be the, the ones, you know, it's almost like, oh, man, but I don't really want to talk to you right now because maybe I'm driving and just later on, you know, so we all have that too, you know. And in the families, you know, it's like in the families, you have that person that when they call you, you was like, what, what's wrong? Who died? Because they never talk to you, but all of a sudden they call and you think that they only call when something bad happens. And but again, we love him, even though, you know. We know that, that we don't see eye to eye in a lot of things, but we're there. And just being Jesus to those people, that's, that's what's been changing in my whole uh, perspective, perspective in my whole life. That I realize I want to be Jesus to people. That when they see me, that they, see, they sense Jesus. They feel Jesus. That how I love them. How I can serve them without an agenda. Jesus served people without expecting anything in return. You know, sometimes people will serve and say, well, you know, I, I do you a favor, but... You gotta reciprocate. You gotta, you gotta do a favor to me too. Jesus did it because that was the right thing to do. And said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to show us how what serving God is all about. No wonder now I understand why uh, James and Peter and Paul they call themselves a bond servant of Jesus Christ, a, a slave of Jesus Christ. That I don't even have a right because He's my master. You know, in America, we all, we all about. This is my right. Now, can you imagine, like, I don't have a right when it comes to you, Jesus, because I, I'm just your servant. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Mm. And Paul says, whatever you find to do, work at it with all your heart. And like I said, that's going to be my motto. Like, God, I work. if I want to preach, I want to... I'm going to preach. I'm going to be one of the best preachers I can possibly be. If I want to play a sports, I want to be one of the best in the field. Because why did I join the team? Just to sit on the bench? I want to get in the game. You know, and I want to be the best I can possibly be because by doing that, I'm doing it for Jesus. Like I was, you know, playing softball, we always pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. I was like, Lord, thank you for giving us the ability to be able to throw a ball and to bat and do those things. You gave us those abilities. You can take them away anytime. So I'm going to use them to the best of my ability, to the best of the capacity that I have because it's all you. And whatever I find to do, I got to do work at it with all my heart. Because as if I'm doing it for you, Lord. Because it's you. At the end of the day, you're going to come back and, t- and tell me, what did you do with the ability that I gave you? With the time that I gave you? With the money that I gave you? What did you do with those things that I entrusted to you as your master? And I hope to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of more things. Paul, I'm going to close with this. In the same chapter, look at verse 17 now. He's addressing the whole church. He said, and whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do, either when you're speaking or action, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, later on he said, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord and not for men. Serving Jesus by serving other people. Would you pray with me this morning?